Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Today on Core Principles, I'm going to talk about a word which C.H. Spurgeon said conveys an ocean of meaning in a drop of language, a mere drop. It would need all the other words that ever were spoken or ever can be spoken to explain this one word. It is altogether immeasurable. It is high. I cannot attain to it. It is deep. I cannot fathom it. End quote. This must be a significant word, mustn't it? I'm talking about the Greek word tetelestai. We translate it in modern English as it is finished. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ stated boldly from the cross. C.H. Spurgeon continued in his marveling at this word. It is finished is the most charming note in all of Calvary's music. The fire has passed upon the lamb. He has borne the whole of the wrath that was due his people. This is the royal dish in the feast of love, unquote. Now, if you know me, you know that I love words and I value the meanings of words. So this is going to be a special episode for me, diving into the pleasant waters of one of the ultimate words of all time. Consider how Charles Simeon described the greatness of this word to Telestai. Quote, Since the foundation of the world, there was never a single word uttered in which such diversified and important matter was contained. Every word indeed that proceeded from our Savior's lips deserves the most attentive consideration, but Tetelestai eclipses them all. To do justice to it is beyond the ability of men or angels. Its height, depth, length, and breadth are absolutely unsearchable. End quote. Well, then clearly I am going to fail in this episode to do justice to the one word I'm examining, but it will still be very worthwhile to marvel at the majesty and power of the word tetelestai. First, let's see how such a word is pieced together grammatically. We can start with the Greek word telos, which is a noun meaning a goal that has been achieved or a result that has been attained. The related verb is teleo, and the perfect tense of that verb is tetelestai. Perfect tense means that it is describing a past act with a present effect. Certainly, the perfect tense has great significance in the context of Jesus' victory by which he paid for our sins and offered us salvation. The act occurred at a particular time in the past, from our current vantage, but the effect is always ever present. We are saved by grace through faith, and that not from ourselves, it is the gift of God. In addition to the grammar behind the word, it's helpful to look at ways this word was used in ancient times. It was used by artists when they completed a work of art, and indeed, the victory on the cross was a masterpiece. 
tetelestai was used by priests as they examined animals to be sacrificed. If and only if a lamb was found faultless, then the examining priest would declare tetelestai. This is obviously an appropriate reference to Christ as well, as he is the ultimate and truly perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Tetelestai was used by laborers when they completed their assigned work. And Jesus said of himself, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The word tetelestai was also used in commerce or business. If someone had a debt and paid it in full, the one who made the loan would write tetelestai on the certificate of debt to indicate that final resolution. I've also heard a powerful example of how this overwhelming word was used in prisons. Similar to the certificate of debt in the monetary sense, there were also certificates of debt posted on the doors of prison cells detailing the crimes and associated penalties of the imprisoned person. After the debt was paid in full, a judge wrote tetelestai on the certificate to indicate that fact, and the prisoner was thus free. Through Christ, we are freed prisoners because he paid in full our debt for all our sins, but only if we accept that gift from him. That is our required action, to believe with faith that Christ is who he says he is and that he died for our sins and rose again, having conquered death and sin forever. We are not the prime movers of our salvation. Listen to how C.H. Spurgeon explained this, quote, The general religion of mankind is do, but the religion of a true Christian is done. It is finished is the believer's conquering word. Incarnate love has fulfilled his self-imposed task. Jesus, as the substitute for sinners, was condemned to die, and he died that he might finish the work of our redemption. Christ has said, it is finished, and we must cease to work too, not only with our hands, but with our souls, working no more for life, for that is given, working no more for justification, for that is concluded, but today resting in Christ, for it is finished, unquote. Well, let's think for a moment about that time, that moment on the cross. The battle was and has always been between evil and good. Satan and his following demons have been warring against God since before the creation of the physical world, and Satan still desires souls, while God also desires eternal relationships with us in true love. Spiritual warfare is real and ever-present. At the cross was the turning point. Jesus had been physically beaten. His disciples had scattered and denied him. He bore the heaviest burden beyond all imagining. 
and Satan was reveling in self-deceit that he might be winning. It was more than just the darkest hour as we read about in stories. It was literally the darkest three hours even as the sun was blackened out. And surely all hope appeared lost. Jesus was supposed to come and conquer, right? Now he was bloodied, battered, and spat upon, mocked, and nailed aloft with actual criminals in the most horrifying death sentence yet devised. It was the biggest and most significant turning point in any of the stories that matter. How could it possibly turn out for good? And when I mentioned stories that matter, hopefully some of you recalled the words J.R.R. Tolkien gave the heroic hobbit Samwise Gamgee to say to his friend Frodo Baggins in The Lord of the Rings. The scene in that epic fantasy tale was bleak. A couple of little hobbits had been captured by men who had no real understanding of the consequential mission they were on, and few understood the terrible burden they bore on behalf of all the creatures in Middle-earth. It was beyond overwhelming. It was impossible. The little hobbit Frodo Baggins had volunteered to take the Ring of Power through the evil land of Mordor to cast it into the fires of Mount Doom and thus destroy it because it was a facilitator of pure evil. But that ring corrupted the very souls of any who bore it, and the ring was bringing poor Frodo to final despair. The servants of evil were pursuing Frodo and his valued companion Samwise, and every circumstance had seemingly conspired to make their mission beyond any hope. In a moment of madness, Frodo attacked Sam as to slay him. But Frodo came back to his senses, although still overcome with utter despair. I can't do this, Sam, he pitifully muttered. And then Samwise Gamgee delivered this relevant soliloquy that has great depth. He said, I know, it's all wrong. By rights, we shouldn't even be here, but we are. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were, and sometimes you didn't want to know the end because how could it possibly be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come, and when the sun shines, it'll shine out the clearer, those were the stories that stayed with you, that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something. And a desperate Frodo asked, what are we holding on to, Sam? And in reply, Sam picked up his friend and addressed him eye to eye. He said that there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. Now go back to the cross, and this was not some mere story, nor even the greatest story ever told, as it's been called. This was the moment Jesus defeated Satan by paying the cost for God's children to be redeemed to him. In the time before our time, Satan 
had deceived a third of God's angels, and then at the beginning of humans' time on earth, Satan had deceived Adam and Eve, and that deceit led to spiritual death or separation from God. But God had a plan. For a time, God related to man through the law brought forward through Moses. And of course, we humans were and are incapable of perfection in this broken world that Satan has corrupted, so we sin. God is holy and just, and he requires sacrifice for sin. And he provided the ultimate sacrifice himself. Jesus took on all of our sins and paid for them by his own sacrifice. In doing so, Jesus gave us a new covenant through which we can be in relation with God eternally. Satan is defeated. Satan meant evil, but God meant everything or all things for good. John was given a revelation of Satan's defeat and describes that in Revelation chapter 12. John says, And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, and the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he only has a short time. Well, that war still rages, listeners, but the victory is already won by the Lord. Make the choice to believe in his provision for you that Jesus gave for you on the cross. Alexander Wooten was an evangelist, and he was asked by a young man, what must I do to be saved? Alexander Wooten gave the young man these words in reply, it's too late. Well, that obviously confused and alarmed the young man who said, you mean it's too late for me to be saved? Is there nothing I can do? Wooten advised, too late. It's already been done. Your part is to believe. It has already been done. It is finished. Tetelestai. Core Principles Podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July. L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information. And please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.